Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. You can buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. Join the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a comment on Facebook and Instagram. Help us beat the algorithm. Review the show. Give us five stars, even if you hate it. We're not joined by one Lutheran John, occasional sexy boat captain and admiral of the great Navy of the state of Nebraska, but <laughs> in person, I am joined by... Hey, it's everybody. Hey, it's everybody. Hey, it's hey, everybody. Hey, hey, everybody. It's Bradley <laughs> Cox from Resurrection Church in South Carolina, <laughs> lacking superlatives. And joining me in person is Legion, for they are many. <laughs> oh, goodness, man. <laughs> So I'm still recovering from vacation. Yeah, and you were just on Hilton Head Island. Mm-hmm. That was that. The pictures looked fun. It was great, man. I love it. I love Hilton Head. Yeah, and if you haven't uh, been there. Go there. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the fun things about uh, our current church culture, at least in how it's developed the last several years, is I don't think you could properly call July a summer slump. Like, attendance is down, yes, uh, because people go on vacations and visit family and whatever, but um, it's not like the atmosphere is just, oh, nobody's here, you know? No, not like, at all. Like, people are still showing up. They are. And this Sunday, like, we packed it out, mm-hmm. um, and that was fantastic. It was fun. It was fun. Um, so, I don't believe... We have as a main topic, you know, it, and somehow <laughs> 193 episodes and us being reformed guys, and we haven't fleshed out the free will thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's normally uh, when you when you get into any kind of debate along along the lines of soteriology being the doctrine of salvation, normally it's phrased as free will versus predestination. Right, which is the wrong category. Yeah, you're you're not arguing from the same, even from the same foundation at that point. Yeah, uh, so you're trying to prove two different things within that discussion. Really, it's free will versus total depravity. Yes, and so biblically, how does that work out? How does that work out practically? Because there are some who will say, "Well, why does it even matter if we end up in heaven anyway?" Right, mm. uh, but it does matter, and we'll get to that. Um, I think uh, so. As a pastor, uh, where would you start to get into that that my or not that mindset, but that debate of how do we, as reformed guys, define total depravity? Um. Okay. How how do we define total depravity? Sure. Well, let, let me say it this way. I for, think for the record, I did tell you what we were talking about beforehand yeah. this time, yeah. <laughs> which never happens. Well, it, it's just one <laughs> of those things that it's it's hard to find a starting point, isn't it? But I, I think one key ingredient, and we might even think about this as a bridge of understanding between the so-called free will and total depravity 
debate is this issue of desire. Yeah. Um, you know, affections. Mm-hmm. Th- this this never gets talked about. It seems I, I shouldn't say never. It rarely gets talked about in gospel proclamations, um, teaching, even just co- conversations between Christians as it relates to the gospel. Is this this issue of desire? Um, our my will. I have a will, mm-hmm. and you have a will. Yep. Uh, but our will is not free, and any thinking person who gives even just a, a minimal consideration to that will have to acknowledge that that's true, even right. if you're not a church or Bible person. My will is not free. My will does not create my desire. There are even uh, physicists mm-hmm. who are determinists who right. deny free will because they'll say, well, we see that you know all of these chemical reactions are happening, and you don't really control that. So but, e- even, at, even at that point, there... Uh, there are at least physicists who will say that, you know, whether the debate mm. is, you know, they're on the right or wrong side or whatever. Mm. But it's not even just Bible people who will deny sure. a totally free will. But but listen, you, you don't have to be a scientist, mm-hmm. nor do you have to be a Bible scholar to realize that your will does not create desire. Your desires give rise to your will. Yep. We only and always do what we want. And there, there are hosts of examples that we could give that prove that that's true right mm-hmm. I, I i if an out jonathan edwards used this example in his book um the freedom of the will it if an alcoholic if you set a, a drink in front of an alcoholic they want the drink but what causes an alcoholic to deny himself or herself the drink in order to stay sober. It's because the desire for sobriety overcomes the desire for alcohol in the moment, right? So this is what's, I think, over and over again is spelled out in sacred scripture is that we have a will and that will is created or it's led or it's determined by what we want. So if we're going to talk about total depravity, I think we have to start there to realize what what you know John wrote in his gospel chapter 1 people love darkness and hate the light mm-hmm. Paul says in Romans um no one does good no one seeks after god mm-hmm. Rome, back up to that I think that's Romans Two or three, and that's all quoting Old Testament. That's so quoting Old all, Testament. The only thing Paul is doing is reaffirming what's already been written. Even when he gets into uh, their their mouth, their throats are an open grave. Like right, right. like that's that's how deep it runs. It's yep. it's not just a surface. Yeah, I've I've made some mistakes. Right. I've made some oopsies. <laughs> right. It's you're dead inside. Right. And and you back up to Romans one, the wrath of God is being revealed against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their nature suppress the truth. Why would we do that? Mm-hmm. It's not because uh, some outside force is affecting our will. It's because that's what we want. We yep. desire that, and so therefore we, our volition is bound. Uh, I think Scripture even argues it's enslaved to a desire for everything but the living God, mm-hmm. right? So total depravity, that's, that to me is what total depravity is. Yep. The problem, 
with total de- or or in the unregenerate state, I don't want God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't want to worship him. I don't want to acknowledge him as holy and righteous. I don't want to obey him. I want to go my own way. And there's nothing I can do in and of myself to change that desire any more than this is an example I gave at Res a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this. And this is a pretty intense example, fair warning. Um, if my wife was in this room, mm-hmm. according to the common understanding of free will, I could just as easily choose to give her a hug and a kiss as I could to choose to beat her mercilessly. That makes no sense, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and we know that. My will is not free in that way. I, not only would I not beat my wife, but I could not beat her because I don't want to. Yeah, and it, it's it's it really just demolishes the old. Uh, I've heard gospel presentations ended with you know God has voted for you and Satan's voted against you and you're the deciding vote. Yeah, that that is ridiculous. As if it's a democracy or something. It's ridiculous. So our will is not free. It's bound to what we want. Mm-hmm. And so, thanks be to God, the gospel proclaims that God does something to fix our broken wanter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, but he that this is the essence of total depravity, is that I cannot change my broken wanter on my own. I have to be, I have to have divine intervention. I have to have divine grace in order to, you know, as the Psalms declare, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Yep. That's not give you whatever you want. It's give you, give you the want. Right, which gives rise to the choices you right. make. Right, and and really, if we're being consistent, mm-hmm. if we're being truly consistent, and this is where it gets into Pelagianism, semi-Pelagianism. You know, mm-hmm. Google those terms. I'm not going to totally flesh those out right now, but if if you're wondering, just Google it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a wealth of information out there, particularly from like Ligonier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, if if our salvation hinges on a decision, how is that not a work? Right, right, right. So, and where Paul says it's not based on works, so that no man may boast. Right. Where if if the decision, like if if we're talking about you know totally free will, uh, and it, and if we have uh, someone like Richard Dawkins and J.I. Packer mm-hmm. here in the room, the only difference between the two is that J.I. Packer made a decision, mm-hmm. not that God had grace on J.I. Packer. Right, 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 right. <clears throat> Right. So if 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 we're going to talk about, you know, reformed theology, uh divine grace, sovereign grace preceding saving faith, we don't have to exclude human volition. Right. We just don't make it the deciding vote. Yeah. To go back to what you said earlier, it's I I do make a decision for Christ. Mm-hmm. I do decide to follow him. I do consciously um, and responsibly take up my cross and follow him. Yep. But the only reason I do that is because I want to. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I want to is because of what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. I'm going to just pull it up and read it so that I don't um, paraphrase it too terribly. Um, but this to me is a, a, a two verses that I don't know, just summarize this in such a concise way. Um, Romans chapter 6, verse 17. 
he starts with, but thanks be to God. All right, so right there, you, you got to acknowledge God has done something. Paul's giving thanks to God. He's not giving thanks to a man or a woman. He's giving thanks to God. Thanks be to God for what? That you who were once slaves to sin. Now, just think about that term for a minute, that phrase. Slaves to sin. What does that mean? It means I'm bound to sin. I'm enslaved to sin. Why? Because that's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want to sin. Uh, but God has done something. That's why he's given thanks. You who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. What does that sound like? That sounds like a change in desire. It sounds like, what is it, Ezekiel 37? Take out the heart of stone, put in the heart of flesh. So God has done something. And, and and it's not that I'm a robot, right? Mm-hmm. I'm obedient from the heart. My desires have changed. I want something. Become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching uh, to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, or according to verse 17, the enslavement to sin, which is a desire problem, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Mm-hmm. So I've because of if you just the chain is somewhere. Yeah, right. If you just take a very simple reading of that those two verses. Thanks be to God that I who was once a slave to sin am now a slave to righteousness. So I where I once only and always wanted sin and and you know we could talk about you know how the typical argument is that people are basically good the bible argues the exact opposite uh we might not all be as bad or as evil as we could be mm-hmm. but we're not basically good we're slaves to sin and, and even even that is common grace of mm-hmm. god restraining our own evil exactly i, I think it's uh i think vody bacham has said that the only reason or let me back up it was babies being so small is a grace from God. Otherwise, they wouldn't hesitate to kill their parents in their sleep. <laughs> I, I mean, yes. Like if we, if you've ever met a toddler, yeah, <laughs> then you actually understand what he's talking about, right? Exactly. Toddlers are they're evil. <laughs> yes, they're not like sweet they little be. innocent babies. Yeah, they like can by, be. by nature, children yep. of wrath. Children of wrath, even at toddler stage. But but God has done something uh, in the saved and the regenerate that they're not robots they're mm-hmm. not they're, they're not enslaved in in the sense that their will or their volition no longer matters it mm-hmm. does we're responsible for what we decide to do yeah that the bible's clear about that but the gospel the good news is god intervenes changes my desires and my those desires those new desires that are saturated and led by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now give rise to obedience from the heart. And that's a God work. That's not a man work. That's a that's a desire change or transformation, not just a simple, I chose one or the other. Right. So let's get into the practical. Actually, before that, here's a thought that I just jotted down on my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is in the Reformed understanding, we... We believe that the only truly free will is God's. Absolutely. At the same time, and here's here's I literally just thought of this this morning, typing up the notes. 
So Jesus taking on human flesh and actually assuming a human nature would then mean that in some sense, the will of God, the son in the incarnation was bound to righteousness. Yes. Right. Because like he said, the son can do nothing of his own accord. Yes. So when he took on humanity, he even took on the bound will. It's just that he wasn't bound to sin like we were. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I think, you know, it's important to understand that because you can't, Otherwise, you can't have a high priest who was tempted in every way as right. we are. Right, and, and sympathizes yeah. with, with our weaknesses. Sympathizes and- with our weakness, right? Um, there, you know, Christ, he did not sin, and I don't believe he could have sinned. Right. But he was genuinely tempted. And that's a hard thing to get mm-hmm. your head around, but he lived from his humanity, not from his divinity. Right, right, right. Which is something we've talked about before. Right. Okay, so then the practical aspect, why does this matter? If quote unquote we all end up in heaven anyway, right? Like if if you're if all you, the saved, all of the saved, right? Um, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't trying to be universal. Just clarifying. <laughs> Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we accidentally say universalist things every now and then. Um, but I think I would even tweak that question of the goal isn't heaven anyway. The goal is resurrection. Right, right, right. So the resurrection of the dead, this earth, this earth renewed, um, etc. Um, so I would tweak that that way, but I would say it it really does matter because one, how you think of what God has done and your relation to that mm-hmm. truly matters because it will inform how you live. Yes, and if if it's all on me. One, that's going to produce one of two things. One is going to be, if I keep screwing it up, it's going to be despair. Yes. Because I know I can't live up to it. Mm-hmm. If it's all on me and I'm nailing it, at least externally, mm-hmm. it's going to produce insane amounts of pride. Yep. Because I'm awesome. Yep. yep. <laughs> right? Uh, whereas with our understanding, if it's if it's literally all God, what that results in is joy. Yes. Because I know I couldn't do it. Yep. But because God did it for me, now I can actually do it because he enables me to do it. Which I think is is an important distinction. There there are things that God does for us. Yeah. We cannot procure the righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. We we cannot atone for our sin. We cannot be the propitiation for our sin. Um we we cannot change our broken wanter in any mm-hmm. way, right? Mm-hmm. God has to do all of that. And when he does all of that, what he then does is enable us by his grace, by the power of his spirit, to then live an increasingly sanctified life. Right. And if you don't get that first piece right, then yes, you're going to be tempted to either depend on your own discipline and be in despair because you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be prideful because as you grow in sanctification, which that almost sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, we're being sanctified and then our pride is growing. But we, we all know how this, you know, if Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, you know, I do the things I don't want to do and yeah. I don't do the things I want to do. So sometimes we're going to fight those battles. But as I if I realize that, that God has intervened and changed my desires and 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 bound them to righteousness what i can simply do is lean into that all the more 
mm-hmm. I can ask him to increase my desires for him, increase my affection for him, increase uh, my want and desire for him so that I become more and more like Christ. Exactly. So sanctification yeah. is no longer about my personal discipline as much as it's about God's work in me to increase my awe, my wonder, my my reverence, and my glad-hearted affection for him, which then gives rise to obedience. Exactly. And, and within all of that, uh, you end up with the you end up with things like the Protestant work ethic, right? We we go to work and work hard to provide for our families and for our community, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, because of what God has done, even starting all the way back in creation, yep. because we didn't create it ourselves. <laughs> so it, it goes all the way back, um, and then we end up actually reaping more benefit from that with that understanding yes. of everything being grace right yes, so everything's like, grace. like when when you referenced uh romans 6 of thanks be to god you know the first thing that pops into my head is the doxology mm-hmm. praise god from whom all blessings all flow. blessings flow it's, yep. it's every good and perfect gift yeah 100 percent of them yep without exception mm-hmm. is from god directly yep right yep. um and then oh i don't remember which verse it is somewhere that paul wrote uh but praising God or thanking God for all things, mm-hmm. like period, <laughs> all things. It, it might sting and it might take a while to thank him yeah. <laughs> for some things, but yeah. we're commanded for all things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think if if we get this right, if we, if we I, I don't know if that's the great way to describe it, but the bridge of understanding between free will as it's commonly understood and total depravity being a, a divine intervention, an, an, a, a work of sovereign grace in our desire. Yeah. Then I think that that allows us to appropriately embrace this ongoing life of dependence on on the living God, mm-hmm. not on ourselves, for both salvation and sanctification, um, increased Christ likeness and obedience. Because Jesus would say, right, John. 14, I believe it is, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yep, yep. So the big if there is if you love me. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, and that's, is, isn't that kind of like the beauty of the Christian life is, is yes, we strive for obedience. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it, it, and it really boils down to, you know, love God, love neighbor. One, only worship him. Two, like, how about you not kill people, <laughs> etc. Mm-hmm. Um and in obedience, you get even more joy down yep. the road. Yep. It's one of those things that a lot of Western Christianity has lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it ends up being, let me give you three steps to follow for your marriage, yep. or five, <clears throat> five points to make you a better parent, and you actually end up just heaping up more to do mm-hmm. instead of... Pri- uh, primarily and practically relying on the spirit yep. and your changed in your changed nature, mm. right? Yep. Which, I mean, yeah, we could probably rant on that for a minute. Well, practically speaking, one of the big questions that always comes up when you start talking about this is how can God be sovereign and man still be responsible? Mm-hmm. Well, if if you get this desire piece that I think is borne out in Scripture over and over again, yep, then. In in my mind, I'm not saying there aren't some nuances to consider because there are. Yeah, 
but in large part, it makes perfect sense that God would be sovereign and man would be mm-hmm. responsible. So everyone who will be condemned in the final resurrection mm-hmm. will have no legitimate argument against the justice of God and experiencing his wrath for all eternity because they did exactly, they made the choices to do exactly what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So Jesus can say... God God didn't hold a gun to any of their heads. No. It, Jesus can say, and, and with absolute authenticity, before he enters Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, how I long to gather you as a brood would gather her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't want it. They didn't want it. And that's as plain as you can possibly make it. So what what makes the difference in changing what we want? God's grace right. and the power of the Spirit. And that doesn't remove human responsibility for choices because I'm still every day choosing what I want. But thanks be to God, yep. I'm now a slave yep. to righteousness instead of being a slave to sin. Exactly. Uh, well, how about next episode we just pick right back up with the you and tulip there we go <laughs> love it i don't have to look at drudge report or anything for our topics so. <laughs> all right let's go to the inquisition and this is the inquisition where you submit questions to us via a weekly post of the westminster effects doxology podcast lounge and we answer them on the fly and by the way, that post goes live on Mondays when we record. If we don't record, there's not going to be an Inquisition post because what's the point? As is tradition, we start with Brian Morris, who asks a baseball question, and he is a very sad Cubs fan this year because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> he says, what's the stupidest baseball decision that was made uh, before the trade deadline, and why is it the Cubs not extending Wilson Contreras? <laughs> Have you have you kept up with any of the trade deadline? I stuff? only watched the Braves, so I couldn't Fair tell enough. you a thing about it. Well, you know, they just made two trades. Um, they well, three. They acquired uh, Robbie Grossman from the Tigers, uh, outfielder who has really been terrible against right-handed pitching, but shells left-handed pitching. Mm. So he's probably going to platoon with Eddie Rosario. They traded Will Smith, the left-handed reliever. Um, who That's is a big deal. right? Who is not getting jiggy with it anymore with the Braves? Mm. Um, you're welcome for that '90s hip hop <laughs> reference. Um, but <laughs> so Will Smith, uh, left-handed reliever, really struggled with the Braves, and they traded him to Houston for Jake Odorizzi, uh, starting pitcher. Um, pretty dang good. Um, so don't mind me, you know, strengthening our rotation. And then they got, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on it. But they DFA'd Robinson Cano, thankfully, because he's been awful. Mm. Um, but anyway, mm. I think... So who's the closer now? Is it James, Jameson? Uh, Kenley Jansen. Jansen, I mean. Yeah. I want to say Jameson. Uh, you know, Jameson and, and Jack are good friends of ours. Yeah, but. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think the Cubs not signing Wilson Contreras to a long-term deal is that dumb because they just need to tear down and start over again. Mm. Uh, Where Wilson Contreras being an elite catcher, um, maybe he's good to have around in the long run to help develop young pitching Mm. uh, since a, since a good catcher can make a huge difference for you. But um, at the same time, like, do you really need guys that elite on terrible teams? (laughs) Looking at you angels. (laughs) 
with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout wasting their careers. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> i tell you what was not a dumb move was signing Austin Riley to a long-term contract yes, sir. yesterday. Uh, as, as John Boy Media calls him, young, thick, because his butt is enormous. Uh, but <laughs> he could, if he keeps this up, he's going in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that he, he's he, been a lot of fun to watch the last couple of years. Amazing. I was about done with him early last year because he still couldn't lay off an outside slider. And then he finally turned that corner, and it's just like, oh, this is going to be fun for a long time if he keeps Wasn't it an outside, outside slider that he hit on Sunday for the walk-off? That sounds right. I think it was because he went yeah. – it was sort of like oppo, like right center. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, and and what I like about about the Braves' deals that they've been making with Ozzy Albies and Acuna and now Riley and even Olsen – um, it's kind of funny to talk about being a tem- team-friendly deal when it's 10 years and $212 million. Mm. But at the same time, like Riley understands he's going to be just fine. Yep. <laughs> he got his bag, uh, and he doesn't have... What's Honestly, what's the difference between $20 million a year and $45 million a year like Juan Soto is probably going to end up with? Yeah. Not that much. So you end up freeing up more money to get other awesome players like possibly re-signing Dansby Swanson yep who has really turned a corner he and has in his top two in, in terms of shortstops in the bigs like him and Trey Turner right there with each other like oh my goodness by the way have you ever seen one of Trey Turner's slides on Instagram yeah, yeah it dude, makes me angry <laughs> <laughs> that that is like uh, how does he do that it's like it's like Michael Jackson moonwalking it really is <laughs> It really is. So anybody out there, just look up Trey Turner slide and there. It's just a thing of beauty. Yeah. Um, so next question. Well, from Trev, it's one of those goofy Instagram names. It's not his real name is a sermon entitled. You are fully known when you know who you are known by an appropriate sermon title. So you are fully known when you know who you are known by. I just think it's long and confusing. I mean, yeah. But yes. I, this is one of those things where I'm like, stop trying to sound clever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it, I don't even know if, if you've even bothered giving most of your sermons titles recently. I, I title them in my notes. Yeah. Um, because it is helpful to me to know what or to to highlight what I believe the main point of my text is. Yeah. Um and but I don't I I don't know I couldn't tell you the last time I announced to the church yeah. what the title was. Um, it, it's not like uh Joel Osteen will actually announce uh let me see. Sorry. He'll say, I want to talk to you about, and then he'll give the sermon title. Yeah. Even if it sounds really clunky. I'm trying to find one. Uh, my apologies. Okay. Well, of course, of course, the first one that pops up on his website, he'll say, I want to talk to you about keep speaking victory, <laughs> or I want to talk to you about uh dealing with negative thoughts now that actually works as a sentence yeah <laughs> but i want to talk to you about keep speaking victory just doesn't even work as a sentence yeah uh now it, it works as a sermon title that's heretical 
I, I, you know, I'm not going to say that there aren't ways in which you can put words together that, you know, there might be a cadence or a rhythm or a rhyme mm-hmm. or a play on words that is helpful yep. educationally to help people remember things. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen and that I don't do that sometimes. I just feel like some that. A lot of guys get too caught up in trying to be clever and sound clever and yep. come up with something to say like that mm-hmm. that ends up being more confusing than helpful. Yeah. And so I'm not going to say that that sermon title is heretical like Joel Osteen's yeah. Keep Speaking Victory. I would just say it, it took you reading it three times before I go, okay, right. I understand. Now, if you made that a bullet point in the sermon and then fleshed it out with subpoints, Maybe. Maybe. But um, it, it, just think about how long it's going to take to really help people get on that boat and 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 see that. It's just right. I don't think it's fr- from a communication standpoint, from a pedagogical standpoint, that's not really mm-hmm. that helpful. Right. Yeah. All right. Last question from Ryan Eigel: Should churches give out newcomers slash visitor swag bags? What should or would be helpful to be included in them, and what shouldn't be? So. Swag bags or church gifts. I'm actually staring at one right now that I just had a cup of coffee out of. Mm. Is if someone fills out a connection card, we throw it's actually a really nice mug. Yep. And durable. Mm. Like I've kind of beaten mine up a little bit. Yeah. It's just taking the punishment. Um, the one that I have at home. And uh and it's huge. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just like this little tiny espresso mug. Is that what we're giving out for visitors? I think so. Yeah, I don't that, well that's how, how that's how detached you are from I, it at this I point. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. It's it's a mug. It probably costs what five ten dollars at Something the most. Like that probably I couldn't tell you that either. But but at the at the same time, it's we're not loading people up with a shirt and a mug and a water bottle. Like I, I have seen some of that. That might be a little overkill. Um, I I think I think there is a an appropriate way to do that. That is, mm-hmm. um. I don't know. It's it's presented in a way that we're we're just being hospitable. Like right. you know, when uh, if I were to come over to your house for dinner, if you you and Kristen were to invite Mary and I over for dinner, mm-hmm. and w- when we arrived and we walked in the door, you said, "Hey, we're glad that you're here," and you offered us something to drink. Yeah, like that's a that's a hospitable thing to do. So yeah. I think there's a way to do this the the visitor gifts in the same way. Um, but part part of me wants to be careful with that, and here's why. I had somebody ask me the other day if I pay my son to cut the grass. And my response was, heck no. <laughs> I have a feeling it might have been a little more explicit than that. But. It, it, <laughs> you know, there is a, there's a value that he enjoys living in my home. Right. Right? Now, the church is not my home. I don't own it in that way but you know when people come what what are we what, what are they coming to experience They're right coming to experience um hopefully um the teaching of the word of god worship of the living god and christian fellowship and those things are inherently value valuable incredibly valuable those are the most valuable yeah, things that, that's the reason you show up <laughs> yeah and i don't i i want to be careful as a church you know on sunday we had a, what we called a sunday fun day and after church we had barbecue we had blow up rides 
for the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I even said to the church on Sunday before we went outside after the service, we're not doing this to be gimmicky. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not even really doing this to just be attractive. We're doing this because it's a. It's a part of our church life to have good fellowship, and so we're yep. providing some things that are going to help enhance that. We didn't push like we didn't like push it on social media. Like this was for our people. This was for our. People. We weren't trying to bring people in and hey, come to the church not just with the good coffee, but with the good barbecue. Exactly. <laughs> and to all the visitors that we had on Sunday, we had quite a few. We said. We're so glad you're here. Come and enjoy with us. Yeah. Like, it, but that is a, to me, that's a little bit different posture than just, we're trying to be so over the top with, you know, convincing people to stay mm-hmm. by giving them things. I, I wonder sometimes if we don't end up shooting ourselves in the foot because what, the reason they should be coming and the reason they should be staying, I'm all for making people feel welcome. Right. Don't hear me say that. Say otherwise, but I think what needs to be highlighted is that the value of being here is not a visitor swag gift or a gimmick that we're doing or a a, a tricky way, a tricky sermon series that we're doing. It's this, this, this is the essence of what being the church is. So enjoy that. Right. I don't remember exactly. So when, when I was at NAM, I went to Sovereign Grace, Orange County. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was in Santa Ana, if I remember correctly, uh, like just down the road from Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And when I walked in, you know, I get greeted and I'm offered a, a mug very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even though I told them, you know, hey, I'm in from out of town. Well, here, you know, we'd love for you to have one and whatever. And it had a program mm-hmm. stuck in the top. Um, I don't remember if there was anything else even in it other than the mug and the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at the same time, you can use that as a, you know, hey, pray for us whenever you drink coffee out of this mug or yeah. something like yeah. that. You I know? like that. Um, like that, just a little reminder of, hey, you have siblings on the other side of the country. Yeah. And, and I'm going back there next time I'm at NAM. Like, yeah. they're a fantastic church. Um, and, you know, being reformed in California, kind of a rarity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and having something early enough that, I don't have to, you know, scramble to get back to the show and all that. Right, kind of, right. But anyway, um, but it was their way of welcoming people and, you know, leaving a little imprint and a little reminder with me. And it wasn't over the top. I like so, it. I like it. It's very so hospitable. You. Yeah, exactly. So any, any closing thoughts, anything? Um, I've been I've been running you know at full capacity f- so much recently with the twenty seven sixteen pre orders that it's just been like oh I can breathe a little bit now. <laughs> Good. So you kind of caught up. Yes. Hmm. So for those of you who don't know, my UV printer went down July fifth, hmm. and it really set me back with getting pre orders. So if you ordered one in June, you definitely have yours by now. <laughs> Uh, and if you ordered it in July, you probably have yours by now. I'm, I think I'm into the back half of July. So two weeks for a handmade battle ain't bad. Yeah. So any, any, anything you want to leave them with before we sign off? Um, I know I normally don't do this. This is normally a all, an all seven days kind of thing. <laughs> of any, I, I've, any last I've said this. I've said this before, I think, on the podcast. I, I know I've said it at Rez a bunch, you know, when we went through – our what we called our Easter season, you know, rejoice not only in what you believe, but in the fact that you believe. Yes. 
So bringing this full circle on the whole free will versus total depravity conversation, uh, if you believe and if you have affection for God, rejoice that that is true because you did not bring that about on your own. Exactly. And when you when you proclaim the gospel and when you talk with unbelievers, realize as you're talking that it's not your job to convince value or to, to persuade value. Your job is to announce. Your job is to proclaim and let God do the work of bringing people out of slavery to sin and into slavery to righteousness. Perfect. Well, thanks for listening to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. Until next time, go love God, love your neighbor, and make some music. See you next week. <laughs>